0: We're
1: back Nothing
0: changed Buck, you know I had to let that beat drop form Welcome to another episode of P2P Path to Production A fantasy football podcast I am your host Cam A.K.A. Podcast Puffy Follow me on Twitter at Cam's Not Sober I'm joined by the Dynasty Buck In the flesh Andy Buckler A.K.A. Built Different Buck Follow him on Twitter at Andy underscore Buckler Andy what's good
1: Yes sir (laughs) Hey man before we get started I gotta start off with a little question man
0: I'm listening what's good
1: Would you rather fight 10 duck-sized Derrick Henrys or one Derrick Henry-sized duck?
0: Wait, what the fuck? <laughs> wait, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Repeat that
1: question. <laughs> would you rather fight 10 duck-sized Derrick Henrys or one Derrick Henry-sized duck?
0: 10 duck-sized Derrick Henry for sure. Bro, because <laughs> imagine a fucking derrick henry sized duck first of all birds creep me the fuck out like first and foremost imagine a big ass fucking 6'3 duck fuck that (laughs) give me the little derrick henry's i'll kick them little motherfuckers around bro
1: bro i don't know fuck it bro i'm fighting the one i'm fighting the one duck bro (laughs) you're fucking nuts (laughs) hey that's
0: some weird fucking bro that's some weird uh crocodile hunter shit bro I uh, yeah, that's some. yeah, I'm not gonna say what I want to say on this pod because it's uh it's a very diverse audience for families and children and shit, but I'll talk to you about that after after the pod. Anyway, <laughs> I got an icebreaker for you too. And this is more so related to fantasy. How do you feel about trash talk in fantasy leagues in general? Like do you like it? Does it make you uncomfortable? Like what's the verdict on that?
1: I like it, bro. You gotta talk shit and bring some spice into the league. If you don't want the shit to be boring all the time,
0: I agree. But sometimes I feel like, I mean, you're in a you're in a few leagues with me now, and I'll be bodying motherfuckers, bro. Like, (laughs) I mean, sometimes I, you know, I've made some people uncomfortable. But um, I think, you know, if you come in a league and you trash talk, you have to expect to be trash talked back. And I, I think my second part of this question is. How do you think it affects, you know, the league dynamic when it comes to trades and things like that? Do you think it affects the trade market? And, you know, if so, to what extent? Or are you one of the types of GMs that try to avoid trash talk so you can, you know, continue to have those trade relationships in the future? Or are you, like, more like me? Like, fuck it.
1: I think it could hurt trade relationships because a lot of people just get, like, really upset pretty easily. But for me, like, I mean, I don't know. I don't try to avoid it unless... Unless the motherfucker talk crazy to me, but for for the most part, like I'm pretty cool. But like I do like to like bullshit around. But same. sometimes I forget people don't like have the same like sense of humor and stuff as me, and they don't they take shit really serious.
0: Yeah, and some some people can dish it out, but can't take it. Right? They don't have really thick skin, but they have a big mouth. Those are the people that I enjoy having in my leagues because, you know, I'm kind of a bully. So the bullies get bullied <laughs> in my leagues. Uh, anyway, let's dive into some NFL news and notes. Starting with some news, some unfortunate news that we received today. Carson Wentz is out indefinitely with a foot injury. We also received an additional update following this news that the Indianapolis Colts are bracing for Carson Wentz to have surgery. So Buck, I'll let you dive into this and talk to us a bit about what this means for Wentz, what this means for the Colts, and how it impacts fantasy.
1: Well, for Wentz, I mean, it's obviously really bad. I mean, you know, Wentz has always hurt. He's always banged up. They started off saying that he wasn't going to miss any time, and it was minor. And then it came out to it's a bone and a ligament. So it, once you hear that, like, it's just going to keep getting worse and worse. He'll be week to week. Then he'll be month to month. We just don't know. Like, I'd expect him to miss the first uh, first couple games at least. So that means, like, Jacob Eason is probably going to be the guy to start unless they trade for someone like Jimmy Garoppolo has been thrown around, but like, why would they spend that much money on another quarterback? And for the offense, like it's going to be pretty bad. Their wide receivers already suck. And Jonathan Taylor, like, this is only like people are trying to switch. This as good news. I don't think it's good news for him because the offense gets worse. They're going to sack the box and he already doesn't catch the ball very much. So it's definitely a huge downgrade for the offense and for everyone in the offense and for Wentz and, I think Jacob Eason has to be like a priority waiver wire waiver ad in dynasty for sure.
0: I agree with the Jacob Eason piece. I also agree heavily with the, I, I didn't know that was a crowd. I didn't know people were excited about Jonathan Taylor. Actually, you know, I just lied. We did have that guy in the redraft league that we're in um, that, that said, you know, Oh, Jonathan Taylor's going to, going to get fed. Now I, I did see him make that comment, but I think, Majority of the sharp people I've seen have been on the opposite end. Uh, you know that that Colts offense could could just crater entirely. It could be like really really bad. And Frank Reich, you know he he deploys a committee backfield. You know Jonathan Taylor was never going to be a guy that received an eighty percent market share out of that backfield. So you couple that with the fact that this offense could be really inefficient, and they're going to stack the box and the quarterback that they have at the helm is not going to be able to threaten defenses at least we don't we don't think he will be um, uh, defensive secondaries i th- i think this is this is horrible for, for jonathan taylor we we don't want running backs on bad offenses that don't catch passes uh, i i i think that's one of the most fundamental things that i've learned uh that I learned early on you know playing fantasy um, you know running backs is uh, running backs uh, the running back position is a low scoring position in fantasy. Just in general, there are only you know six or eight of these guys that I really care about in a given season. And you know we want the guys who have a lot of opportunities within the ten zone. We want the guys that catch passes. We want the guys that can have that you know historical uh, upside type season. And not having a competent quarterback in the helm doesn't doesn't mean stock up arrow for Jonathan Taylor. So I didn't know that was a group or a cult. Uh, I, I think those guys are are probably not. Uh, <laughs> Uh, taking their bias out of the equation, this is this is awful for Jonathan Taylor.
1: And I want to add one more thing to that. Yep. This also has draft pick stuff with the Colts. Like if he if uh Wentz doesn't play the seventy five percent of the snaps or whatever, they can they don't have to give up their first round pick. So he might not be that quick to rush him back oh, if he's man. hurt.
0: That's such that's such a good point.
1: Because if if he's not healthy, like why not sit him for four games? You keep your first round pick, and this might also help even Jalen Hurts a little bit because that's a less. One less first-round pick that the Eagles could possibly have now. That's
0: a really, really good point. I hadn't thought about that at all. Also, even before you mentioned, you know, them not rushing for him to come back after the after the the foot injury, dude. It's a it's a foot injury. Like even like in, he's gonna have surgery on it. Even even if you know you take the draft pick narrative out of the equation, it's a foot, bro. Like that's like the death knell for uh, season-long players' uh, um, outlook. I know he's a quarterback, but bro, it's it's a foot. It's ligament and bone. Like we like. But he
1: is he is a little bit of a mobile quarterback.
0: Yeah. So. No, for sure, for sure. So yeah, I I mean, I, I think I, that 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 caters to my point. Yeah, you know, I don't I don't think he's, I don't think he's gonna. I don't know. I'm not a doctor, you know, but this is not good news. Like a a bone and ligament injury for a quarterback, and it's it's training camp already. I don't – I'm not expecting him back anytime soon. I'll just say that, and we can move on because we're at eight minutes already. Next, speaking of more unfortunate news, let's talk about Michael Thomas. Wanted to let the ankle injury heal on its own. Apparently, he got that medical advice that was obviously not um, accurate uh, medical advice, and turns out he needed surgery. Anyway, he had surgery early uh, last June. And is expected to miss, you know, somewhere around four to five games in the regular season. So break down this Michael Thomas injury for me and what you what you think is going to happen with um, the Saints offense and what this means for fantasy regarding, you know, their skill positions. And and when we expect to see Michael Thomas back and when he gets back, what do we think he's going to look like?
1: Yeah, well, this is a uh, this was super unexpected to me. I mean, I thought everything was fine and he was ready to go. You know, I don't like I know I saw a lot of the reports that he might not start on pup and stuff, but you kind of got to take a lot of the reports from the team with a grain of salt. I know I saw the video with Sean Payton; he was pretty mad that you know he the the bad advice and everything uh, that he should have had the surgery. But I think, you know, he said four to five games. He starts on Pup, that would be six. I kind of like to, like, just add a couple weeks to that at least just because we don't know. So I probably expect him to miss, I would say, like, half the season. Like, that's what I would go into just expecting. And if it's less than that, then I consider that a win. But for the offense as a whole, I think, I mean, it's obviously a major loss. I think the offense, just like the Colts, going to be way worse now. They'll probably lean on the running backs and, uh, you know, Latavius Murray and, and Alvin Kamara. Like if you're looking for like a replacement receiver from that team, you know Traquan Smith will probably be the wide receiver one there. But we've seen Traquan Smith for four years; he's not very good. So I think the guy you should take the shot on is Marquez Callaway or uh, Deontay Harris, a guy like he actually just got arrested, so he'll be suspended to start the season too. So it looks like Calloway is going to be the guy. They added Chris Hogan; he's nothing. But we just don't know with the, the Michael Thomas stuff. Like I'm not in the team; I don't know. So. It's like all these Twitter doctors, like, I got something to say for y'all. I need to tell y'all, like Will Smith told the unfunny clown in Fresh Prince, you suck. Not <laughs> nice, but you suck. Y'all suck. You don't know anything about the Michael Thomas stuff. You don't know if he's going to miss 10 weeks, two weeks. Man, y'all suck, especially you. I see you, Jesse. I see you, boy. And I just want you to know your ass. That's all uh, I
0: got man. Uh, shots at Jesse, the fake fantasy football doctor. Yeah, I mean, they seem to be wrong, you know, you know, 60, 70% of the time, because the fact of the matter is just like projecting out for fantasy, none of us know. You know, we had an interesting <laughs> conversation with a guy in a, a league that we're in together, and he, he came at us and said, you know, <laughs> Michael Thomas isn't coming back. <laughs> I'm like, all right, Nostradamus, like the people like that, bro, are just absolute idiots. Like we we just we, we really don't know. And for fantasy purposes, if you are drafting, you know, I'm willing to take a discount on ADP for a player like Michael Thomas because when he's healthy, he's a top 8 receiver in the NFL. He's only shown a top 8 floor since he's been in the NFL. So at age twenty-eight playing, you know, uh under under a huge deal. He has no incentive to not want to get back on the field. And he plays in a in a in a friendly offense, in an offense that features him. It doesn't really matter who the quarterback is. I think we saw a stint of six games with him and Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, we took him in a redraft league in the ninth round. He went off the board as wide receiver of forty. And, you know, some pretty sharp analyst that i respect you know they have him in the 50s and 60s and like i understand the risk mitigation wanting to avoid players that take up a roster spot on your team a lot easier to do that if you have an ir spot to stash a player like michael thomas but when i'm drafting especially the way that i draft structurally and how heavily i hammer on wide receivers if you're telling me that at wide receiver 40 i'm getting eight weeks of michael thomas that's a that's an absolute smash league winning pick to me. And I know people have different approaches and they play a bit safer, but I don't, you know, I take calculated risks. And uh, in the words of the wise Bruce Arians, I mean, no risk it, no biscuit.
1: As long as you could take him not as a starter. And we didn't. We didn't get him as a starter. He's on our bench. So I think there's no risk there. The like guys around him were like Curtis Samuel and stuff. I'd rather have six games of Michael Thomas than 60 of Curtis Samuel, who's also hurt too. So
0: We took him as our wide receiver six. <laughs> so I'm I'm more than okay with that and I feel like it was it was you know more than adequate value. Anyway, let's run through a bit more of these news pieces. Rapid fire, Trevor Lawrence impressing early. Are you shocked?
1: Yeah, super shocked, man. I just <laughs> thought this dude was—I thought this dude was trash, man. No one. Ass. Twitter said he was never talking about him. No one's talking about Trevor Lawrence. Oh
0: man, it's just—he's—he's—he's—he's he's, he's, he's gonna end up being like you know the DeAndre Hopkins of. Of quarterbacks because he's just so good, nobody cares anymore. Uh, yeah, not surprised. Donovan Peoples Jones could take a leap. This is interesting news because I was impressed with him in limited spurts last year when you know they had injuries to Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham Jr., he's a super athletic freak, he makes some really nice catches in the air. I don't know how refined and polished he is as a technician at the wide receiver position, which is something that I put a lot of stick into because I think those skills have like a lot of staying power. Like Wide receivers like Stephon Diggs and things like that, I feel like you can plug and play them into any offense and they're just going to be productive because they know how to get open. They make a the job easier on the QB. Players like Donovan Peoples jones like athletic freaks, I think, you know, circumstantially, like the offensive environment has to be a bit more ideal for them to flourish. But I think he's an interesting player. What do you think about DPJ, if you have any thoughts at all?
1: Yeah, actually, I, I didn't like him at all coming out last year because I thought he was all athlete and, like, really couldn't, like, play the wide receiver position at all. But he flashed as a rookie, and as long as he could, like, keep up, like, what he kind of did last year, like, maybe put up 500 yards this year, that year three, he can have a legitimate opportunity because there's a chance that Jarvis and Odell aren't on that team, and he could take a real big role. So he's someone that, like, I don't mind buying cheap and Dynasty or, like, stashing your taxi squad because I think year three could be, like, legit for him. I don't expect much year two, but as long as he could keep up, like his 500 yards or whatever,
0: for sure. All right, uh, real quick, Jalen Rager fails a uh, physical. His physical conditioning test. What do you think about this news?
1: Man, Jalen Rager's ass, bro.
0: Yeah, I want to be sensitive because he he did have like a a, a death to a close friend in the family, but, I believe. But it, it like you know, I I don't know. It's just not really ideal. Like him and Dallas Got it. I feel like you know because both of these guys are expected to take a leap forward, and I guess it's not the you know the worst possible outcome. It probably is the worst possible outcome to be honest. It's yeah. like you know after his rookie year, getting off to a slow start in his second year. It's just it's just not. It's just not a good look. So maybe it's a mental thing and he's dealing with a lot. And I, I'm I'm rooting for Rager because I'm somebody who bought him last year. I don't have any anymore. I got out from underneath Rager because, like, rookie wide receiver first-year production is, is uh, huge for me. Uh, I was also the guy who got rid of Devontae Adams after his rookie year, so don't take what I say – uh, with with any type of uh, conviction in your own process. Cause uh, I sold all my Devonte Adams shares like way too early, but it is something that I pay a lot of close attention to. And when players like flatline or face plan as rookies, I'm, I'm, I get really nervous. What were you going to say before we moved on?
1: I was going to say just like, he's just a guy that really needs, really needs training camp. So I, yeah. I don't really want him missing any time because he needs to build a rapport and get like, you know, get familiar. So, And if this is, I don't know, like I saw something like his injuries and stuff. He's a guy that dealt with a lot of injuries in college and his rookie season too. So, I mean, I hope he can get healthy. I hope he can get better. But this does worry me a lot because he's just losing reps in camp.
0: I agree. Two more things and then we'll get into our top 10 wide receiver rankings and quickly rank the tight ends. We did not forget about that segment. We're going to wrap it up today. But two more news items. Henry Ruggs adds weight. He added 13 pounds of weight in this offseason. And I will start off by saying...
1: I'm here to tell you right now, we don't care. Let me, tell, all right, let me tell you, we don't
0: care. I don't give a shit, bro. I don't. I don't think Henry Rex is a good fo- football player. What do you think about this news?
1: I don't care. I don't care yeah. about it. I mean, he's gaining weight, like to lose the only thing he does good, which is run straight,
0: <laughs> loses top end speed. Yeah, I, I, this is another player I'm rooting for. I didn't have any of him. I, I didn't. I didn't like him as a as a prospect last year. Um, but you know, I don't know. The more good players we have in the NFL, the better it is for fantasy. So I don't like when players like turn into busts. But uh, I don't think him adding 13 pounds is going to fix the the deficiencies in his game that we saw last year. He, he he's he's a, he is a player that needs to be deployed better by his by his um, offensive regime. But he's also a guy that just needs to get, just be better. Um, last bit of news. Jets news. We'll loop these two guys into one. Michael Carter runs with the first team and Elijah Moore is running with the second team. Quick rapid fire. What do you have in terms of reactions to both of these news pieces?
1: I don't think any of them are shocking. I expected um, I expected both, especially when uh, Jamison Crowder got uh, he took the pay cut to come back. I expected Elijah Moore to start off in the second team. So I don't really like worry about that. Like, don't get nervous about it or anything. I agree. So because I do expect him to even start the season with the second team, like maybe as the season goes along, he'll he'll earn his spot. But Jameson Crowder is like they're not going to bench him right away. And for Michael Carter, like I expect it, but. I still think it'll be a committee and I know you don't like Ty Johnson, but I still think those two guys will be the main running backs there. But Carter obviously has the upper hand and he'll be the main guy.
0: Yeah, Ty Johnson
1: <laughs>
0: Alright, let's go Are we going to do Do we have time to do the, Maybe we will let's do, let's do sheep or sharp Really quick So sheep or sharp We're going to do a quick segment About a tweet That we saw on Twitter And we are going to determine Whether or not this person Is making sharp analysis or he's just a sheep. So with this tweet, Buck, we had a gentleman tweet out a hot take, and the hot take is J.K. Dobbins and DeAndre Swift will both outscore Ezekiel Elliott this season. Spicy take. What are you, what are your thoughts? Is this a sheep take or a sharp take?
1: A sheep take because it's not it's not really hot. But I don't think it does. I don't think it happens. I don't think both of them do. But it's not hot. And this dude like tweeted this, like, he really just, like, lit the timeline on fire, like, he really did something, like, if it happens, like, it wouldn't shock me at all, like, these two, they're two uh, ascending, talented second-year running backs, like, it's not a crazy take at all, so he's a sheep to me.
0: It is just it is a sheep take, dude, just because of all the 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 uh, the narrative surrounding Ezekiel Elliott all summer. You know, everybody's down on Zeke. Everybody expects him to decline. They talk about his efficiency. They talk about his big playability or lack thereof. They talk about Tony Pollard getting more in the mix. And then this guy comes out three months later and says, (laughs) (laughs) J.K. Dobbins and DeAndre Swift, they're going to outscore. I mean, okay, maybe. (laughs) <laughs> like, dude, like what? Like what? I did, you know, as a fantasy football analyst, you know, these guys who call themselves analysts on Twitter, you know, they come out and they they make blanket tweets like this with with, you know, no substantial analysis to back it up. It's just, it's like, what does it even mean? Like, what does this tweet even mean? Like, how is this helping people win their fantasy football leagues? I mean, are are you drafting Dobbins and Swift at the one hundred six or one hundred seven where you would take Zeke? I mean, I don't I don't understand the purpose of this tweet. I
1: know, man, I'm sick of tweets like that. Just all for engagement. Yeah yeah
0: that guy's ass. Anyway, let's get into the main segment of the podcast. We are going to rank our top ten rookie wide receivers from the 2021 class. Let's start with the guy who shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. Wide receiver from the Cincinnati Bengals, Jamar Chase. Buck, I'll let you take it away with Jamar Chase. Why do you have him ranked? 101 in your wide receiver rookie rankings.
1: Yeah, I think he's um, far and away the best guy in the class. Um, he gets to hook back up with Joe Burrow, where we saw him play, uh, have the amazing year in college in the best offense of all time. He outproduced Justin Jefferson, who obviously went on to have one of the best rookie, the best uh, rookie wide receiver season ever, and he's familiar with the quarterback. He just does so many things well. I think the only thing he lacks a little bit of is, uh, you know, a little bit of separation. I'm not too worried about it, though. Like, I think a lot of people are over, est- like over, uh, estimating that, saying he can't separate. I don't think that's true. But think of, like, a guy like maybe like a Court- Cortland Sutton. Like, he's going to go up and get the ball. Like, he doesn't have to be a Stefan Diggs and just, like, mix everyone up at the line. Like, Allen Robinson, guys like that, Like they don't have to do it. So, like, they're, like, you'll see uh, – like separation for Allen Robinson, AJ Green, his prime is super low, but like, that's just not their game. That doesn't matter. So I just think he, he's easily the best wide receiver. And I think rookie year, he can have a massive season because they're going to throw the ball a ton over like a ton with Joe Burrow, their defense got a little better, but it's still going to be bad. And then he has T Higgins on the other side of him, who's a good wide receiver too. So they're going to help each other. And I just really like what he's a, uh, just really like what his uh prospects are, but he's getting super expensive. You know, in Dynasty, he's already a wide receiver one in startups. He went wide receiver six in a startup I saw. And that's just starting to get too expensive. Like I'm just not ready to take him there. I'm pretty nervous. Like I probably wouldn't draft him in a startup. The cheapest to get him was in the rookie draft, like around the 107. I think that's a steal. But if you're looking to buy him right now, like he's almost he's like almost a sell at this point because he's just worth so much for a guy who's never played at wide receiver like uh, played a game wide receiver in the nfl so dynasty he's starting he's starting to get super expensive and i don't really know how much his value could really rise but i i think he's going to have a really successful nfl career
0: yeah i i think it, it's it's interesting there's there's a lot to break down based on what you said and hopefully we can get through the rest of these receivers uh, quicker um but it, First and foremost, the separation thing, like, you do the film study on him or you watch, you know, guys like Matt Waldman break down film study on Jamar Chase, he, he absolutely does get separation. He isn't, you know, an Odell Beckham or Stefan Diggs, you know, level separator, but, I mean, not, not, not many people are. Um So I, I don't worry too much about his separation. He also has the DeAndre Hopkins trump card, you know, his contested catch ability. That was something that, you know— um he made his money on uh, playing with Joe Burrow back in 2019. You know, he went for almost 1800 yards and a 20% target share when playing alongside Justin Jefferson. And we know what Jefferson, uh, what Justin Jefferson turned into. So um, as a prospect, he's super, super exciting. He's super dynamic. I mean, he, he ran a four, three, nine on his pro day. That's, uh, you know, uh, after that's an adjusted four, three, nine. So I, I think his official time was like four three three or some shit. Uh, speed score, burst score, all that stuff. Like he's a tremendous athlete. Uh, and, and the burst score is something that can't be, you know, fabricated or, or can't be, um, uh, there's no benefit to doing, you know, your, your broad jump and vertical jump at a pro day. Like that shit is, you know, standard throughout. This is just a great athlete. And all the things you said about the offense that he's in, and how well, Um, The offense environment should suit him being tied to a young ascending quarterback like Joe Burrow playing alongside a young ascending wide receiver like T. Higgins. I mean, the arrow is definitely upward for Jamar Chase. He's fuck. He's 21 years old. He's an early declare. He only needed two seasons. He only needed one good season to, to be considered a top five pick in an entire draft. So I understand where, you know, the hype is kind of getting out of control. But, you know, maybe it's warranted. You know, I, I don't really know. I, I think rookie wide receivers have always been a pretty safe bet, especially ones with this type of profile and this type of capital invested into them. I do agree he's, he's potentially a sell. You mentioned something about um, him him going at the one oh seven and I, I didn't see him last that long in any draft I was in. Like no, no super flex draft did he last past the, the one oh five. Uh so that may just be a group of, of guys that I'm in leagues with that are that are a bit higher on on wide receivers the way that we draft structurally but he didn't last to the mid-first in, 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 any, in any draft that I was a part of. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how his career plays out because we're kind of already crowning him as, like you mentioned, a dynasty wide receiver one. But uh, I'm here for, for any Jamar Chase propaganda. I believe in the talent. I believe in the player. And I think he's clearly the number one receiver in this class. Let's get into the second uh, second player on our board, the second receiver that we have ranked. I I think we have the same guy. I have Rashad Bateman here as my 102. Is, is that the same for you? Yep. all right. I'll break down Bateman pretty quickly. Uh, my case for Bateman is I, I really loved his college profile. Uh, he was super productive. Even last year, he had a down season. He averaged, you know, almost 90 yards per game. Um, Minnesota he deployed him in the slot a lot last year and that's something that we see as a trend in, in college football you know put your best receiver in the slot and they suffer a bit like in terms of efficiency metrics because you know there's just a lot um, uh, smaller area to work with when, you, when you're being deployed from the slot so it's, it's it's not necessarily the the highest upside alignment for wide receivers so uh, he struggled a bit in some of the efficiency metrics um, uh, from a sophomore year to his junior year and you know I know he had the case of covid said his body didn't feel right so you know a lot of people were down on his junior production but he, he was still he was still damn good um and um you know he he got drafted to the baltimore ravens a team that's I won't say they're completely devoid of uh, pass-catching weapons, but they don't have a true alpha. You know, I think Marquise Hollywood Brown is better suited as a beta-type receiver, and I also think he's he's pretty good in his own right, just not as an alpha. And Mark Andrews, I think we saw what Mark Andrews looks like when he gets more put on his shoulders. Uh, so, you know, my case for Bateman is, is, you know, the fact that I had him as my 102 pre-draft. He got drafted to a situation where I think he's going to have a sustainable, safe floor. And the offense may cap his upside, but I'm always just going to bet on talent. His landing spot didn't deter me from keeping him in my top three. So um, I feel pretty confidently him um, um, having him here at the at the two spot. Um, Quick thoughts on Bateman.
1: Yeah, I agree with everything you said. He was my wide receiver, too, the whole time, and I just wasn't going to switch it. I wasn't going to change it based on landing spot. I mean, this was like the death landing spot for wide receivers if you ask like people on Twitter and stuff, mm-hmm. but I don't believe that. I mean, I think Lamar Jackson is a better passer than he gets credit for, and Bateman could open up the offense and just just make them a lot better. Like They were throwing to Willie Snead and stuff, so I I, uh, I expect Bateman to be – very good for them i don't i'm just not going to fade him I and mean, we've seen aj brown we've seen just all these wide receivers that we were so high on and then we fade them because landing spot and then we end up just hating ourselves for it so i'm just not going to do it with bateman i'm gonna stick to him the only like i don't even say it's a concern but i expect him to measure like i thought he'd be a little bigger he measured at six foot 190 but i mean he ran 448 that was adjusted time 18.8 breakout age like i think he's a stud i just thought he would be like he he plays bigger than six foot. But I just thought he sure. would measure
0: a little bigger than that. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that's cause for concern for all these guys. Even J- Jamar Chase is not big. He's like six feet, two hundred. I mean, he's he's smaller too. You know, he just he's he plays he plays so much bigger. Like he's like that's kind of the NFL. I mean, you look at you know two of the top three. Why I mean I don't know what your rankings are, but in Dynasty, like for um um, I'm I'm sorry, not Dynasty, but for season long, I'm assuming you have Tyree Hill and Stephon Diggs in your top three, right? Yeah, and those guys are both you know slight. That's just kind of where like the NFL is moving. So I don't I don't I don't really pay too much attention to you know that alpha size BMI like at the wide receiver position. Just because we have a smaller sample size of those smaller guys, so we really don't have enough data to accurately depict whether or not you know wide receivers at at this size or at this body mass are at a disadvantage. We, we just we just really don't know. Um, and the NFL is getting smaller. Like defenses are getting smaller. You know, linebackers are getting smaller, um, uh, so I don't know. I, I I didn't put too much stake into that. the The entire crop of this this wide receiver uh, class is, is is pretty pretty much on the smaller end. All right, let's get into the third rank wide receiver you have on your board because I think this is where our boards get shaken up a bit.
1: You have Elijah Moore at three. I, uh, you know, I had him lower to start uh, the pro- draft process, but then as it just as it went on, it just kept getting higher and higher in him. You know he played at Old Miss and with uh, with AJ Brown and DK, and he just like he's just a guy that can separate and get open. And I'm just gonna bet on those guys no matter what. Like even if he is a smaller guy, like he gets compared, like he's probably number one comparisons like Tyler Lockett. But and he he is a slot receiver, but I don't think he could only play the slot. Like I think he could play all over the field. And the Jets have talked about playing him all over the field. And you know he's super fast. Could just the guys that could get open like that, like, I just, it's so hard for them to fail. Like guys like the, you know, the Jerry Judy's and the Stefan Diggs. like I'm just going to take them over guys that I just pretty much at all times, like, you know, next uh, we we'll, I'm sure we, like your guy, will talk about Devonta Smith. Like I just feel way more comfortable with lives more. Cause I just know he'll be able to get open. I know he'll uh, be deployed uh, in a great offense with, you know, a young quarterback, and they've been they've been building rapport and getting hype all off season. So I know we both like him, but uh, what are your thoughts on him?
0: I like him a lot, and I will say, you know, I I do agree that the the base offense is is good, the scheme is good, but we don't know if it's going to be a good offense yet, because if. We don't know about who's, run, who's running the offense, but the scheme the scheme is good. Yeah, offense, don't know yet. I love Elijah Moore. Yeah, I was torn between, you know, there was a lot of hype in mini camp before training camp started about Elijah Moore. And I agree with what you said earlier as well about us expecting Elijah Moore to have to work a bit harder to cement himself into the first team once Crowder agreed to come back for less money because it's just difficult for rookie wide receivers to beat out veterans who also still have a bit of juice. I think Jamison Crowder is a fine slot receiver. So it's going to be a bit more difficult For Elijah Moore to like I said cement himself into that starting rotation early But there's not a doubt in my mind that Elijah Moore is the 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 best wide receiver on that team I think he's the best wide receiver on the team. I love Elijah Moore Loved his tape at Ole Miss loved his production profile and he's been hovering around my fringe top five at uh, rookie wide receivers for quite some time Um, He's just outstanding, you know from a production profile standpoint and you know earlier on he probably could have you know gotten a lot more buzz as you know a freshman sophomore he was competing with the likes of A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf as a freshman so uh, I love the player I love the situation that he's in I think before long we're going to be talking about him as as the lead receiver for that offense however the guy that I have ranked at number three uh, like I said I struggled with ranking you know Devontae Smith over Elijah Moore but I gotta stop the Devontae Smith slander. I mean, he has the draft capital. He was he was drafted in the top ten in the NFL draft. He's going to get every opportunity to be successful. He's already the alpha on his team. There was no debate about whether or not uh, you know a veteran wide receiver is going to take any snaps away from Devontae Smith. The only reason that I don't actually have Devontae Smith at number two over Rashad Bateman is because of how ambiguous the quarterback situation is in Philadelphia. I mean, Jalen Hurts could be a fine fantasy option. He could be great this year, and who knows? He could be the next fucking Lamar Jackson. Even so, rushing quarterbacks with that type of rushing floor, they just don't generally produce top 24 receivers at a high rate. They they just don't. Um, It isn't a great situation for even, you know, uh, a true alpha wide receiver one to be paired, you know, with an elite rushing quarterback. And I'm not talking about Russell Wilson. I'm not talking about prime Aaron. I'm talking about the Lamar Jackson, Michael Vick type rushing quarterbacks, like true rushing quarterbacks. Um, they just don't produce, you know, top 12 receivers at a high clip at all. Very seldom produce top 24 receivers. And when they do, they're on, they're on the fringe, you know, wide receiver two, wide receiver three. So with that said, Dating back to Devontae Smith's production profile, he's been a stud since he was a junior. I think people would probably have been, you know, maybe a little higher on him from a profile standpoint had he just declared and been a second-round pick in last year's draft. You know what I mean? You know, he he had 1,200 yards and, you know, let me find it. I think he went over 1,200 yards as a junior with, like, a 20% target. I mean, he was a great prospect as a, as a junior. Um Yeah, 1256, 21.2% target share, and 14 touchdowns. He could have come out in 2019. You know, he he would have been a second-round pick most likely or, you know, maybe a late first-round pick, but I think people would have been higher on him. Then, you know, he gets a lot of flack for Jalen Waddle going down before he had this massive senior season. But, dude, the season was so ridiculous. Almost 1,900 yards with a 35% target share in 23. Like, dude. We we And he, he played special teams too Like he's a dynamic player And we talked about Elijah Moore being able to create separation I mean that's what Devontae Smith is known for He's a very smooth Shout out to Lay G Fraud He's a very smooth Route running technician And he understands Route running concepts How to get open How to use his body How to You know make up for the fact that he isn't this big 6'3 210 pound wide receiver um, I think he's going to be good. I, I think my only reservations about him as a player is more due to his surroundings than his actual talent. I was super low on him throughout this entire process, but I've just come around to the fact that, you know, when he plays football, he's a good fucking football player and the opportunity is unmatched by any other rookie wide receiver that we have, uh, on the board today outside of maybe, you know, Amon St. Brown, who we'll get to later. So what are your quick thoughts on Smitty? And then we can move on and get through the rest of these guys.
1: No, I agree with uh, most of that. I think he's just, like, the ultimate, like, you know, tape versus analytic guy. Yep. You know, the tape guys love him. The analytic guys don't. And you also, like, there's a lot of things to factor in. Like, his breakout age, obviously, is 20.8. Like, we don't like that. Yeah. But he played at Alabama. played with a lot of other good players at Alabama. And, you know, we've dinged guys like Calvin Ridley and stuff for the same thing, and they end up being great. I do think Devonta Smith is a good wide receiver, but I was just someone that's just going to be lower on him, and he's someone that I'm willing to be wrong on. If he's Mm -hmm. the wide receiver one this class, okay, I think it's possible. But I think it's a lot lot less likely, a lot more likely that he's the wide receiver five or six. And like you said, like just that whole team, the Eagles, it's just so so scary with their quarterbacks. And, you know, he's going to like outlast Jalen Hurts. So who knows who's going to be his quarterback in the next couple of years. But, yeah, I'm just – I'm worried about the quarterback situation just – worried about his profile mostly. But I do think he could play and I do think he'll be he'll have a successful NFL career. I, I do think that like I don't think he's gonna bust at all.
0: Yeah, I I I agree, bro. Um you have him as your wide receiver four, right? Before we get to yeah. the five. Okay. So let's get into my wide receiver five. I have Mighty Mouse Rondell Moore. And I actually had him at seven or eight like a couple months ago, but I, I dude, the only thing I don't like about this kid is the fact that he's fucking five seven. I just I, I couldn't justify moving him behind some of these guys just because of his height because I don't fucking know. We just we've never seen a player like him. So I, I I mean I'm not a I'm not an NFL talent evaluator. Like I'm not a scout. I don't know how these teams are going to deploy these players. I don't know like how they view these these players. I think if if Rondell Moore didn't have as extensive of an injury history as he had, he could have gone even higher than the two seventeen. I I just think he's a really good player. He's a really dynamic player. And we argued about this pick in the redraft league, the $100 redraft (laughs) league that we co-team, and you're like, oh, this dude's a zero. He's like, bro, he landed in the perfect spot for his skill set. I mean, this short, horizontal, air raid, fake, sharp, Cliff Kingsbury offense, this is perfect for Rondell Moore. He's going to get all his touches around the line of scrimmage and five to seven yards out, and he's going to be able to create with his legs and with his physicality and with his dynamism. This is what we saw him do well at Purdue. Give him some screen passes. Give him slants. Give him strike routes. Put him in the backfield. I mean, they run so many plays. This is this is one of the most fast-paced offenses in the NFL under Cliff Kingsbury. And as long as Cliff Kingsbury is there, I think Rondell Moore has a chance to be, like, absolutely. I, I think he could go nuclear, bro. By rookie wide receiver standards, I, I think he could touch the ball a lot. I mean, we're talking about Christian Kirk, A.J. Green, Dusty, Dusty, bro. He is the easiest wide receiver to, at the cost that he's at to bet on right now, in my opinion. Uh, like, no player in recent memory has had the type of freshman breakout season that Rondale Moore had being under... Fucking 5'11, bro. This dude's an anomaly. I'm just willing to bet on the talent, and I couldn't justify keeping him down in my rankings just based on where he measured in at. What are your quick thoughts on Rondell Moore?
1: Yeah, so Rondell Moore was the guy I loved uh, to start the process. And I remember you calling him Supercharged Tyree Cohen. I don't forget about that. Because <laughs> I actually had Rondell Moore at wide receiver three for a lot of the offseason. Now he's down to six just because. It's not even just the height. Like I think he's just again he's just a guy that's good. But I worry about the injuries a lot too. I mean he's he played he had one of the best true freshman seasons ever. As a true freshman, put up 114 catches, twelve hundred fifty eight yards, twelve touchdowns. Then he only played seven games combined after that.
0: And wait, wait, wait! But he he put up almost 800 special team yards too. Yeah, there you go. But <laughs> <Well>, go ahead. <laughs>
1: And then we only saw him to play seven combined games after that. You know, that's probably obviously a reason why he fell a little bit in his height. And I do like what he's in. Like, I do like his offense, but I worry about the rookie season just because like, I know like AJ Green's done and I know Christian Kirk isn't very good. We've seen a lot of Christian Kirk and he just hasn't really done it. But I just like, man, I think Cliff Kingsbury sucks. And I think those guys are going to play a lot. Like maybe, uh, they'll use Rondell Moore in like a gadget role where he gets some carries. And like, if he can get like a couple, four catches and five carries a game, like I definitely like him and I would really think he'll be really good this year. But I just think he's more of a long-term play, like maybe his second year, third year. Cause I just think like, they're going to give AJ green every opportunity to play until he just can't. So we're going to
0: see, we're going to see that he can't in week one. Fake, <laughs> fake sharp cliff Kingsbury. When you listen to this podcast, I need it, brother. Rondell Moore, rookie. Wide receiver two season, book it. Give him <laughs> top so. twenty four. He's going. I'm playing my flag on Rondell Moore. He's going to have a better rookie season than Lavisca Chenault did, and and he isn't going to get hurt. All right, let's move on quickly because we got five more to do. Who's your wide receiver six?
1: Oh, Rondell Moore is my wide receiver six.
0: Oh, uh, who, who do we skip oh, over?
1: Oh, five. Uh, Terrace Marshall's at wide receiver five for me.
0: Okay, make the quick case for Terrace Marshall Jr.
1: Well, I just uh, – I loved his college tape. You know, he has a lot of a lot of drops on his college tape, though. But I just, like, love his size, love what he's doing. I love his offense. But, again, if we want to talk about injuries, Ronda more, we definitely have to talk about injuries, Terrence Marshall. Because I had him much higher. Obviously, he had that uh, ankle thing. He had a bunch of high school, like, massive injuries in high school. And we heard about the ankle, the ankle, the ankle pre-draft. And we were kind of like, is it – you know, is it uh, – not true. Are they just trying to do this uh, for smoke, but ended up being true because he fell to the late second round, but he ended up in like a perfect situation with Matt rule with back with Joe Brady. And now he's been getting some hype because he is playing. He played in uh, practice the last two days and he's just been, they've been saying he's been showing out and he has an inside track to start in the slot. So he can have a good rookie season. And Robbie Anderson's probably not going to be there in year two. So you need. You should probably just buy Terrace Marshall now because he might. I think he could has a chance to absolutely explode.
0: I agree. I think he's in a really good off uh, offense and a really a good offensive scheme, and he has a really good opportunity to really take a leap in year two. Year one could be capped. I mean, I'm not as high on him. I didn't love the tape as much, but I did kind of like the profile better than a lot of people did, just because of who he was competing for targets with. And he was pretty banged up throughout his stint at LSU as well. So we don't even really know what he would have looked like in a full, you know, uh, season 100 percent playing in that 2019 LSU offense with Joe Burrow. Um, He's he's a little bit lower uh, uh, um, for me than you I actually have him at wide receiver seven after Jalen Waddle. But I did like the prospect profile. I did like. Um his measurables as well he's one of the guys that uh, you know are are pretty close to that alpha wide receiver profile physically um but yeah there are a lot of question marks regarding his, his situation his injury history as well as you know what his true upside is um not too excited about him being deployed primarily in the slot i I hated that for cd lamb last year but i did see the article come out that he has the the fast track to uh the slot role which you know whatever hopefully he can show a bit in terms of um his outside prowess and ability to get open and win against you know cornerback ones uh, on defense to where they can move him around a lot but you know i'm not i'm not too sold on joe brady as you know an offensive coordinator either i mean they they ran one of the most slow-paced offenses in the fucking nfl last year and maybe that's because they had teddy bridgewater i'm i'm not really sure but uh the offense didn't uh impress me as much as it did other people i understand they produce you know three wide receiver twos or like that's that's great but i like offenses that that tick at a high rate and um it just awards a lot more opportunity and i like Condensed offenses as well Narrow target trees And you know This seems like an offense That likes to spread the ball Around to the receivers Which is You know fine But I I think he's He's definitely a buy Just because I think People have soured on him And are a bit lower on him Than they were uh, Pre-NFL draft uh, and I still like the player. Um, I'll talk about Jalen Waddle, and we can get to the rest of these guys pretty quickly. Jalen Waddle, I have one spot ahead of Terrence Marshall Jr. A lot of this has to do with the draft capital and his tape. He's a guy whose tape I really, really thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, just an explosive play waiting to happen. Really unfortunate that him and Devontae Smith didn't, didn't test. Uh, Waddle couldn't because of his ankle, but... Um, Based on his high school workouts and measurables, uh, he he wasn't as you know explosive and dynamic as 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 I thought he'd be. I think you know, um, guys like Rondell Moore haven't beaten those categories in terms of of dynamism. But you cut on the tape, and you know, without an injury to Jalen Waddle um, during the last uh, season for Alabama, I'm not really sure we we we'd see Devontae Smith as as a top ten NFL pick. I mean, he he was on an absolute tear. Uh, Alabama that that offense was was insane and he was the focal point through the first you know four games or whatever before he got hurt Uh, I just think he's a really explosive player and I'm really hopeful that the Miami Dolphins deploy him the right way I'd love to see him um, not used as this great value Will Fuller and see him closer to the line of scrimmage allowing him to create after the catch and using him and deploying him in the slot the main reason for this ranking and why he isn't You know even even higher for me just based on you know the draft capital and the offense that I think he's in because I don't think he's going to be in much of a touch squeeze because I don't think the offensive weapons surrounding him are super talented is because of the injuries like this dude just can't seem to fucking stay healthy and like the same ankle injury that bothered him last year is supposedly still bothering him. So that's a bit big red flag for me, but we don't have an extensive history of players who were as highly touted as Jalen Waddle was in college. That have the draft capital that Jalen Waddle does, who end up not panning out at the NFL level. Like those those guys generally just don't bust. You know, a top ten wide receiver is usually pretty pretty much a safe bet. Even guys like, you know, Corey Davis eventually had his had his, you know, wide receiver break out You know, uh those guys get awarded all the opportunity in the world and eventually they they usually hit. So quick thoughts on Jalen Waddle before we move on.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, You know, the ankle, it's obviously still bothering him. He wasn't even supposed to come back when he did. We saw him in the national title game, and he was hobbled. So he's just been, you know, he's still dealing with that. I'm just worried about, like, he's another guy. Like you said, you cut on the tape, and it's very good. He's another just tape versus analytic guys. Tape guys love him. Some even have him as their wide receiver one in the class. The analytic guys just don't like the profile. And that's kind of where I land. Like, guys like him normally don't succeed, but they also normally don't get picked six overall. So, at the same time, I'm just really nervous about the player. Just nervous about his role. Like, I just think he's a straight. Like, he's. I don't know if he'll be you. How he'll be used? Like, I think he should just be used downfield more. But they might try to get him, like, you know, some gadget touches and just get him the ball a lot. But I'm just. I'm not sold on him. And uh, I forgot my train of thought.
0: Uh, you were talking about the deployment, but we, we can wrap up on him. But, yeah, he's a, he's a guy that you love the film on. I mean, he's really, really surprisingly good with the ball in the air, even though he measured it in like 5'10 or some shit. Like, he can eye point the ball. He's really good after the catch, and he took several dig and slant routes to the house. I mean, he, he's, he's a very explosive player. I don't want to see him deployed as a nine guy. You know, we, we have enough Henry Ruggs in the world. Henry Ruggs is, 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 I don't need any more of those guys. Um, <laughs> I want them to put the ball in his hands and, and let him create really quick. We're not going to get to tight ends because we're already coming up on 50 minutes. So let's wrap these guys up. Uh, for my last three wide receivers, I have Amari Rogers, Amon Ross St. Brown, and Nico Collins. I'll go through these guys really quickly and give you the last couple minutes to talk through who your last three are. Amari Rogers, uh love this player's year one impact a lot more. Two weeks ago. Um, so I got good news and bad news. Good news is Aaron Rodgers is back. And the bad news is he's brought Randall Cobb's dusty ass with him. So not sure what to think about the outlook for Mari Rodgers now. Because Aaron Rodgers is going to be gone after this year, uh, presumably. And this year he's going to have to uh, compete against Randall Cobb for touches. But he should be used on special teams as well as mixing in the slot. He's a really rugged player he's not a tremendous athlete he isn't super dynamic but he is savvy he he has a very old school game to him so I really like him a lot same thing with like Amonra St. Brown I'll get to him too like not a tremendous athlete um there were guys like super 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 high on him and then he ended up going um in in the fourth round of was it fourth round for Amonra? Yeah. He ends true. up going in the 4th round of the NFL draft and people are soured on him, but you know, he showed up to camp and supposedly he's been knocking the doors off, blowing the doors off camp and 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 looking pretty good. And that's a big deal to me because they're completely devoid of pass-catching weapons and if he shows any semblance of being um, you know, a productive weapon for that offense, he's going to get fed. So I like his uh, year one outlook um, a bit more than Amari Rodgers, but for dynasty purposes, I like Amari Rodgers a bit more because I think he offers more upside. Amon St. Brown is more of a safe floor play for me, but I'd be willing to acquire him at cost as well because I think he's going to be a startable asset in fantasy. Last guy on my list is Nico Collins, the wide receiver for the Houston Texans. This is a guy that I've been pretty high on for quite some time. He went to about where, you know, I was hoping he'd go in the draft. You know, NFL teams didn't sleep on him as much as I thought they potentially could have. And he's in a situation where he's not competing with anybody of consequence for targets outside of Brandon Cooks. So, tremendous athletic prospect profile. Um, Also, Decent breakout age. Uh, um, I forget what it is, but I think it was like twenty or maybe even earlier. Um, but he's actually a pretty decent prospect. Uh, it's nineteen, nineteen, so seventy eighth percentile breakout age. Actually, actually, way better than I thought. And bro, the biggest caveat to Nico Collins' profile is is Harbaugh. I mean, that's that. You know, if he's playing for any other, if he's at Oklahoma State, like this dude's a second round pick, right? Hello.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. I was just sitting there looking at Amara St. Brown.
0: Oh, man. But yeah, you know, Nico Collins, he, he got his growth was stunted by, you know, such an awful offensive environment in college. But um, his prospects in the NFL could be even greater than what they were in college. He's going to be like, you know, Alan Robinson was. He hasn't played with a good quarterback since he was in fucking high school. So we'll see what happens with Nico Collins. All right. Your last three wide receivers go.
1: All right, I got Amari Rodgers at eight as well. He was a my guy for me. Uh, I love the tape. If you love Debo Samuel, you'll love him. They're really similar. And uh, I do think, you know, obviously now that they got Randall Cobb, like you said, the rookie year is just not going to be what we want it to be. But I still think, like, he's still running with the ones yesterday. He was still running with the ones with Randall Cobb there. He's a guy that will get touches out of the backfield. Uh, and, I mean, Randall Cobb's dusty. I know that's Aaron Rodgers just of them, but – I think Amari Rodgers by the end of the season will solidify himself. And there's also, he, I think Amari Rodgers could play on the outside too. They don't have anyone else. I do too. MVS isn't good, and, and Alan Lazard, he's, he's not very good either. But then my wide receiver nine is Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, he's just the most boring player in this entire draft to me. <laughs> <laughs> like, I hate it watching his tape. Like, this dude reminds me of Hunter Renfro, bro. Like, that, like that's who he reminds me of. And Hunter Renfro is fine. Like, he's, that's really not disrespectful. Hunter Renfro is like a decent wide receiver. Just boring. Like, he doesn't do anything for you in fantasy. He catches sixty passes a year for six hundred yards, and like that's about it. And he ran a four six six forty. He does have like a you know like eighteen point nine breakout age, and he's off. He's in a situation where he's going to be given a chance, but he's still a day three guy. And I think like we're putting too much stock into the you know, where he fell and he's going to be the guy and everything. I mean, who knows? And also, again, he's day three. So next year he could be down the depth chart wide receiver three or four, but he will get a legitimate chance to show out in year one. I just think, like, I just think he's super boring. And he, he has to be a slot wide receiver. They tried him at USC on the outside and he had an awful season last year. So he, he is strictly a slot receiver to me. I can't see him being able to separate on the outside in the NFL at all. And my wide receiver attendance is Miami Brown, Brown uh, with Washington. He had, like, on tape he has a limited route tree, but I'm not sure if that's just the college scheme and how they used him. I, I think he could run some more routes, and they were playing him in the slot uh, because Curtis Samuel, Samuel is hurt now. So he's getting a lot of run with uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and they say he's showing out in camp. But he was a guy I really liked and just got lower on. And they say, like, I, I'm not sure what his rookie year is going to look like, because you have reports one day that he's running with the ones. And then you have reports one day that Adam Humphreys is like the widest receiver one in Washington. So, so I'm not entirely sure, but I do like down Brown a lot. I mean, he's a burner. He's a guy that can get downfield and he's really what Washington needs. Cause they don't, they obviously don't really have much after Terry McLaurin. So those are uh, my last three guys.
0: No, I appreciate that. I, I, I think, I think Deami Brown's a good pick to crack the top 10 as well. Really quick back on a Monrath St. Brown, same school comp. He reminds me a lot. Of, Juju. Juju, yeah. Not, not a tremendous athlete. Juju's faster straight line speed, but Amonra has more burst. Neither one of these guys is equipped to play on the outside. But I think you know I've come around a bit on Juju. You're you're somebody who's you know kind of talked me into to Juju a bit more as being like you know a really really good option in dynasty if you could have him as like your wide receiver three four especially with how people have soured on him because I mean even last year he, he was productive in in a, in a terrible offensive situation with a lot of target competition. So I don't. Players like this can just be you know really sneaky in terms of safe floor and, and even upside in the right you know. Um, offensive environment and he was a day three pick he was drafted at the beginning of you know the fourth round but I don't know man it was some weird shit happening last year with the COVID season and I'm not really sure NFL GMs got proper valuations on a lot of these players so I'm definitely putting a little more or less stake into draft capital this season than I ever had in years past because we just didn't see everything we needed to see. Uh, but I, I do agree. He he is a very boring player. I hated Amon on St. Brown's tape, but I think people who got him in the third round of rookie drafts absolutely smashed because I, I think he's I think he's going to be here to stay I know he's a fourth round pick but even if they invest draft capital into wide receivers next year he's still going to have a role
1: yeah I mean he's just the type of guy that the NFL is kind of moving like away from yeah the type the of old wide school receiver.
0: like Heinz Ward type you know intermediate nothing after the catch guys
1: yeah, I do like the Juju comp, and I was going to use it, but I still into the same school. I think Juju is a better prospect, a but they are though, very, yeah. they're very similar. Yeah,
0: both. But yeah, both eighteen year old breakout ages. Both, you know, I didn't I didn't love Juju's tape in in college. He had a really good sophomore I think it was sophomore year. He had a really good sophomore
1: year, and his junior year he fell off a little bit. I mean, yeah, when Don when Darnold left, he was yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So
0: yeah, I think I think it's a fair comp. All right, we're we're still in an hour, which is fantastic. We're not going to get to the tight ends next episode. We will do a breakdown of this one hundred dollar read draft league that we participated in and maybe we can roll our titan rankings into that episode because i really want to wrap up this rookie segment that we've put off to everyone who listens so so sorry it took us so long to get back on the mic we had some scheduling complications work for me uh really heat up for a bit and buck was in my doing god knows fucking what <laughs> but we did it we bike Captain, will be back Yes again.
1: sir I did not like that Buck slander at the end though <laughs> Yes sir